everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. On today's episode, we're going to continue my journey through the Old Testament. Today, we're going to talk about Ruth and the God who broke his own law. I talked to you about how I began this rebellious journey through the Old Testament about a year and a half ago. A well-known preacher talked about, you know, unhitching from the Old Testament as Christian, and I decided that I would read it because, you know, that's kind of who I am. You tell me not to do something, I'm going to do it. And so believing that we really need to understand this God of the Old Testament, if we're going to really have an accurate picture of Jesus, I really think the Old Testament is important. And so I started reading it. And as I was reading, I was just blown away by the fact that the God that I thought was in the Old Testament wasn't actually there. You know, that Old Testament God, he can get kind of a bad reputation. It's really hard for people to hate Jesus. I mean, I don't know very many people who hate Jesus. They, you know, at least respect him as a good man and they'll believe he's the God or his son of God. But it's real easy to dislike the God of the Old Testament because he just can come across as kind of harsh and demanding and judgmental sometimes, or at least he does in people's expressions of him as they talk about the stories and stuff like that. People can easily pick out that kind of stuff. But when you actually read the Old Testament for yourself, I just began to discover that the God that I thought was there wasn't. And the God that is there was far more full of grace and mercy and love than I expected to see. I mean, it makes sense because God and Jesus are the same person, and Jesus says that he's the exact image of God in the New Testament, but it was just kind of shocking to discover that for myself. And so last week, I was talking about the book of Judges, and this week, I want to talk about the book of Ruth. I was pretty familiar with the story of Ruth, the Moabite woman who came back with her mother-in-law, Naomi, to Israel after a famine. And how she ended up marrying a guy named Boaz. And there's like this whole thing with wheat fields and collecting um, wheat and grain on the ground. And she kind of like, you know, says, hey, you want to take care of me? And he agrees to marry her. All that stuff. I recognize that. I was familiar with that. I was excited about that. However, right in the middle of all this, as I'm reading, actually closer towards the end, I'm reading and I'm, I'm counting generations from Ruth to Solomon, because Ruth ends up being in the lineage of David and then of his son Solomon. And I remember this verse in Deuteronomy, and it talked about how no Moabite should enter the assembly of the Lord. It's from Deuteronomy 23, verse 3, and it says that no Moabite up to the 10th generation shall enter the assembly of the Lord. And it goes on to talk about how because they hadn't provided things for the Israelites or whatever, that they were cut off from the assembly of the Lord. And that's part of the law. That's in Deuteronomy. And you think about the Torah or the Pentateuch and the first five books of the Bible, and there's this law that's given. And it's pretty strict. And there's a lot of things that are talked about in the law. And Christians can get kind of confused by the law. When I was growing up, half of our crazy rules came from the law, but half of them we didn't actually listen to. So like we would follow things like don't eat pork or no tattoos, but we would then ignore the part where it says, you know, not to cook the meat and the milk together and stuff like that. You know, we still have stews and soups and things. 
And so we would, you know, take some of the law and create these rules for ourselves, but then completely ignore other parts of it. And I don't, I don't really know what the thought processes behind that were, but I think it had to do with just basic control, religion, let's make people behave kind of a thing. And so the law can kind of have this real negative connotation on Christianity. I mean, if you've been in any kind of a uber conservative or strict rule following Christian religion of any kind, then you know it's burdensome. It weighs on you. And it just it's hard to figure out how to kind of separate and how to make sense of a good God and this strict law. And as I was reading Ruth towards the end of it, and I discovered this part about how the Moabites shouldn't enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the 10th generation from Deuteronomy. And I start counting generations from Ruth, who's a Moabite, to Solomon, who builds the temple. And from David, I mean, David's the man after God's own heart. And I start counting and it was like, Ruth and Solomon had Obed, that was their son, and Obed had Jesse, so it was the grandson. Jesse had David, great-grandson, and David had Solomon, great-great-grandson. So Solomon, four generations later, is the great-great-grandson of Ruth the Moabite. And yet, in the law, it said that no Moabite could enter the assembly of the Lord even until the 10th generation. But Solomon built the temple. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, this doesn't even make sense. Here's God giving this law. And here's God breaking his law. Like, (laughs) what is going on? And so I started thinking about this, you know. We get the law and God kind of confused. And I think the law is just that. It's the law. Like, this is what it looks like to be perfect. To be humanly perfect, here is what it looks like. And this is what should happen. And these are the parameters. And this is how you should do things. And yet, God is not the law. He's outside of the law. He doesn't necessarily have to follow the law. He can give grace and mercy like we see because he wrote the law. He made the law. So who better to break it than him? And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, God is so filled with grace and mercy. And here we are once again in the Old Testament, discovering this God that has nothing to do with the Old Testament God that we think. That he would purposely put Ruth in the lineage of Jesus. And if I look in Matthew 1 at the lineage of Jesus, you recognize that Boaz, Ruth's husband, actually has a very unique mother. His mother was Rahab, and she was the one that was protected in Jerusalem because she was a prostitute who hid the spies, and so not Jerusalem, Jericho. So when the walls of Jericho came down, Rahab was protected, and she marries Boaz's dad. And they, I mean, it's just, it's just incredible to me when you think about this, and you think about how God puts these people in the lineage of his son. Not only are they named as women, but they are women who are not from the line of Israel. And yet he sticks them in there and he makes sure we know that they're there. It's like he's saying, hey, I am reaching out to everyone. Like I am, I have this like this law that we need to follow and I have this, you know, standards, but I'm also going to just show grace and mercy when you don't deserve it. And I'm going to go ahead and stick you right there 
as, you know, grandmothers of Jesus, basically. And I love that. I love the God that it reveals to us. I love that he is so full of grace and mercy. And people who don't humanly deserve things get them anyway, because it's not about us. It's about him. It's not like he's out there doling out things that we deserve and taking away things when we don't deserve them. That's not how he works. I thought that was how he worked. Growing up, I had this very scary view of God. Like, if I don't do the right thing, then he's going to get me. He's going to punish me. And so when bad things happened, you had to look around and be like, okay, what did I do wrong? And if good things happened, you got to take the credit for it because you were, you know, following the rules. And everything mattered. You know, we had these crazy anecdotal stories in our organization of people who bought the wrong colored toothbrush and how things happened bad to them because they didn't pray and ask God which toothbrush to buy. And that sounds extreme, but I think some of us really still feel that way. Like we feel like God is up there just ready to get us. I remember when my father-in-law was still alive, he had just some interesting views of God. And there was this one Christmas and he was trying to make a poster on Microsoft Publisher. And he was just frustrated by it. And so I came in to try to help him and figure it out. And he had this picture of an elephant that he had from clip art. And he had a little picture of an ant. And he said, this is who God is. God is the elephant. He's just up there smashing ants. And I didn't know what to say. But you know what? I think, I think that it's easy for us to feel that way about God. We look around at the brokenness in our world. And it's easy for us to try to find cause and effect. And say, well, God must have, he must be punishing. Or I must have done something wrong, so I'm going to get a consequence. And I mean, there are consequences. You do something stupid, you're going to get a consequence most of the time because it's just how it works. But at the same time, like, it's not like God's out there, like, looking for us to do bad things so he can get us. He's not just off there stomping on ants. And I think that when we read the Old Testament or we hear about the Old Testament, it's really honestly not even us reading it. It's us hearing about it. There's, you know, other people who are blogging about it or writing books about it or talking about it. And they just they just say things because they've heard of someone else. And it's like, you got to actually read it for yourself. But we hear this God of the Old Testament. We hear this law. And we feel this harshness and this condemnation. And it makes us feel afraid, afraid of him. Like, why would I want to hang out with a God like that? But that God is fake. It's like we talked about last week. He's just a fake God in your head. He's not real. He's just pretend. So you just push that God off your God shelf. Just shove him off. Let him break. And then get rid of your God shelf and look for the real one. Look for the real God who's revealed himself in the Bible. And when you read it for yourself, you discover that that's who he really is. It's not this person that we or this God that we've created as we read it terribly or misread it or let other people misread it and abuse it. He's, he is a good, loving God who breaks his own rules and allows a fourth-generation Moabite to build his temple. So guys, I hope that that just really blesses you and encourages you and gives you just courage to seek. Seek for the real God. And next week, we're going to finish this up in the book of 1 Samuel. And I'm super excited about that. And until then, just keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.